Welcome to a bonus episode of Council. I thought I would shake things up for this episode and do something different. So often, we cannot publicly share details of our day-to-day work as in-house lawyers because of confidentiality, commercial sensitivity, and just to maintain a level of professionalism. But I have been working on something lately that I can talk about in detail, and I'm going to. Because so much of my motivation for this podcast comes from creating a resource that I wish I had available to me earlier in my own career. So with that in mind, this episode is all about the art of buying and implementing legal tech into your in-house legal department. So what do I mean by legal tech? It is a bit of a buzzword, but basically covers any piece of technology, mainly software, that will be used by the legal department. There are different categories of legal tech, some that apply and are marketed to law firms, of course, to in-house lawyers and many other areas of the profession. Today, I want to shine a spotlight on contract lifecycle management and matter management software. And there is a difference between the two, the contract and the matter, And I'll explain the difference even further. Okay, some caveats, because we are lawyers. This is just one person's experience and opinion of buying, sourcing, demoing, and then implementing a piece of legal tech. I'm only speaking from my own experience. And so take that with a grain of salt. Also, this is not sponsored content. I will be absolutely talking about Ironclad today because that was the piece of legal tech that we ended up selecting and implementing for the business. But they haven't asked me to say any of this and I actually haven't asked them if I can, though I'm sure it will be appreciated. And as you'll learn, I'm a pretty massive fan. Firstly, I'd like to talk about what the current state was for contract and matter management at Megaport before we embarked upon this journey because I think it's important to have a a bit of a frame of reference for our pain points and why we were propelled to change. So since the inception of the legal department in around 2015, we have been using JIRA, which is an Atlassian product that was also used by other parts of our business, like our software engineering team. They use it to manage their projects. And we thought that we could leverage it as well. This was welcomed by the business because it was a one-stop shop for all types of matters that you might want to talk to other departments about. And there was cost savings there as well. We also used a proprietary piece of software to store our contracts. We called it our contracts register. And recently, I received a little bit of trivia about how that came to be. Apparently one afternoon, really early on in startup phase, the team had a bit of a hackathon and someone suggested that they should spend the afternoon creating a place to store all of the contracts that the company was quickly accumulating. And so some developers got together and just hashed it out. And what they created was actually pretty awesome for an afternoon's work. And we used it for years. but. It had its limitations. It was unsupported by the business. It was a little buggy. 
And really, we couldn't pull meaningful data from the contracts. There were some metadata fields, such as the start date, the end date, the counterparty, that kind of thing. But we knew that there was more that we could do and that we weren't able to do. So with JIRA, we would manage our matters. Each matter would be treated as a different ticket. You could upload and attach documents and have some version control. There was an activity feed for tagging other people into the ticket for approvals. And there was a really great system of status uh, updates. So you could move the ticket from in progress to out with external review or internal review required. And so that everyone could see, you know, there was a transparency around where the ticket was at any point in time. And JIRA has a whole heap of functionality that does support that kind of project work. What it didn't support was confidentiality and, you know, having some permissions around who could see what. So we did have to use emails and our inbox for employment contracts and employment-related requests or other things that were sensitive and shouldn't be seen by all of the business. And of course, in a legal department, that can be quite a number of things. An email is just a clunky way of managing it. So that's what we had. And for quite some time, it worked really well. And we saved a lot of money by not having our own piece of tech. But as the business has continued to grow, we must as well. And it was time to invest in something that would really deliver for us and in turn for the business. A big catalyst for the change was that piece that I mentioned earlier, trying to extract meaningful data from contracts that have been signed and are sitting in a repository. That for us was something that came up time and time again. And the business would ask, hey, do we have a list of customers that have allowed us to use their logo on our website? And of course, that's a pretty standard thing that we should be able to report on, but we just didn't have the capability. And so it was on a case-by-case basis, contract-by-contract basis, and it was just an inefficient way of using data and information to make decisions. So we went to market. And the first thing that we actually did when we decided it was time to go and see what was out there and what could help us was to steal an hour's time from one of our internal project managers to basically ask, how do you do something like this? Because none of us had done it before. We're not project managers. And this was going to be quite a project. We, we knew that. And our project manager was extremely helpful and gave us a really high level overview of the stages and the phases of a project like this. But they're busy and they're working on other things within the business, delivering for our customers. So there really wasn't a resource that could be allocated at the time. And of course, we could put ourselves in the queue but it was probably going to take a while before we would get a dedicated project manager to help us. So we outsourced and we worked with Jemima Harris from Lawyers on Demand, who I have interviewed earlier on the podcast. She was amazing. Having a dedicated legal project manager to help you from the beginning was honestly just the biggest blessing. Not everyone will have 
the resources and the budget for this kind of thing. But we we did and we used it and I'm so glad that we did. Because the problem, I think, is that sometimes as lawyers, we do think that we know it all, we can do it all, we can be it all, we can figure it all out. And that is true. Left to our own devices, we're pretty resourceful and capable and have a sense of logic and just general common sense about how to go about doing something. But project management is a particular skill set. And I would highly recommend to anyone that was embarking upon a change management project like this, which it is, to seriously investigate whether you can stretch your budget to cover a resource. Because the BAU won't go away. And as I came to found in the months that followed, this takes a lot of time. It does. It's, it's just... It's just a fact and you won't necessarily have the capacity within the team to absorb the extra time and energy required. So definitely have a think about that. But once we had Jemima on board, we needed a project name. We went with Project Mimosa, which was a bit of fun. I don't know where that came from, but it stuck. We did have a mimosa to kick off the project and that was a little bit of fun. So we've got our project manager. We've got our project name. Now we need to go to market and do a vendor assessment. And this is really involved. And the more time that you can spend up front, the better. I think you really want to go to market knowing exactly the problems that you're trying to solve. And what are the non-negotiables for the business? What integrations do you require with other pieces of software that other parts of the business are using, like Salesforce or Adobe Sign? Understanding those non-negotiables is going to really help you when you're assessing the vendors. And another way to get a great understanding of what some of the, the key features should be is to engage with your internal stakeholders early. So for us, this was our sales operations team and our procurement team, the two, you know, really heavy users of the legal contract process as a whole, and also the part of the business that was looking for meaningful data on the back end. So understanding the pain points and the areas that we were all trying to improve really helped when you've got that that big ticket items, that list of non-negotiables, you can go to the market, meet with different vendors and assess whether they're going to suit or not before even, even having a demo or even reaching out to them. You may be able to get a sense from their website. And of course, price is going to be a factor and something to think about will be how many users will be using your piece of software. And if the vendor sells by license uh, or per license, or if they do a particular package, or if it's an unlimited license, but you pay per workflow, perhaps, of a different contract types. We saw a number of kind of variations on this, uh, but good to get an understanding of the price points. Now, when it comes to things that I wish I had known I really wish that I had taken the time to actually map out the current process on a whiteboard or in my notebook 
because I thought I had a really good understanding of it, but I didn't. I didn't really know what happened before the uh, people from the business would come to the legal team or after. And I just, I just thought that I, I knew the bounds of the touch points and the, the boundaries of when and how everyone used the legal function. But something that I uncovered as an example was that when a new reseller agreement was required, before it even came to the, the legal team, the sales manager of that region would approve that agreement and just check on the commercials, make sure that it made sense and that the deal was something that we wanted to do. And I obviously, I didn't know that that happened before it even came to me. And it wasn't crucial for me to know necessarily, but it really would have helped on the implementation when I was mapping out the future state making sure that I captured all of those approvals and all of those touch points that happened outside of legal. I think maybe I thought that we saw the contract from end to end and that there was no other part of this contract that existed before or after, but that wasn't the case. So understanding that and just having a little bit of a stakeholder engagement and really asking those questions of what happens before you even come to us. Is there an internal process that your team has? That probably could have been helpful. Back to the vendor assessment. So if we're going to market with our our top ticket items and our budget, then it comes down to how many vendors you want to reach out to and have a demo. This can be a time-consuming process. Our wonderful legal project manager, Jemima, did a lot of the legwork here and saved us a lot of time. So she had our non-negotiables, she had interviewed our key stakeholders, and then she had assessed the vendors and their demo and their product against that list, and then came to us with like, I think it was maybe the top six that were in our budget and that hit all of those high notes that we were looking for. And then from there, we had a demo as a legal team, and we had our stakeholders come as well as the business user and to give their feedback. And we whittled it down further. We had further demos and we asked more questions. We got firmer pricing and quotes. And then it came to top three. The difference between the top three and two was price. And then from two to one was integrations. Because our second runner-up, or I guess our first runner-up, had a Salesforce integration in the pipeline, but it wasn't something that was there from the beginning. And we really wanted it there from the beginning because our sales team uses that platform and for it to integrate seamlessly with our solution was just a no-brainer and something that we thought would create efficiencies and now we've come to see is exactly what's happened. So then we had our winner, Ironclad, And they ticked all of the boxes. We weren't compromising on any feature. The demo was awesome. The support from the beginning was awesome. And we were off and running. We went through the contract process and then we implemented. Before I move on to tell you all about my experience through the implementation and the change management piece, I just want to take a little time to dissect the difference between contract management and matter management. 
because I came to find that some pieces of legal tech are better suited to matter management and others are better suited to contract management. So you really want to have a think about what you're trying to achieve because you can find workarounds, but there are some things that are just better suited to the workflow of a general matter, including a contract or a contract from end to end, including, say, generation of a contract and then repository and storing and and data mining of a contract. And I think something that we probably didn't realize is that, of course, we have both. And we're trying to solve for a one-stop shop. Whenever a business user wants to come to the legal team, they would come to our platform and either create a contract or submit a general advice query. And so I found a workaround with Ironclad, but I'm not necessarily certain that it was built with matter management and general legal queries in mind. So knowing what pain point you currently have and what you're trying to really solve is going to help you approach your vendor assessment process with so much more clarity than otherwise diving in and going straight to demo. But back to the implementation, this is the crux of the work. The work hasn't even really begun. Now you've got to bring it into the business and then roll it out to your business. And this is a whole skill set that I have never really tapped into before. Of course, it all comes back to communication, but there are some specific things that I did and things that I learned in the rollout that I think have really helped. Now, Ironclad works off a workflow system where a business process and a contract combined together is a workflow. And one workflow may be non-disclosure agreement. Another workflow may be vendor terms and conditions. A third may be customer contract. We have 10 workflows and we've used them all. I've had to be creative about the way that I have squished some of them together on the back end, but 10 sounded like a lot, but we really did need it. So something else to consider when mapping out the current process, how many different variations of that process there are and how you want how you want to capture them and, and what's in and what's out because we can't, we can't have everything. Be prepared for the design and implementation phase to take a huge piece of your time and energy. If you are the person in the legal team that is tasked with rolling this out, which I was, I was in there in the back end, designing the system, designing the workflows from the ground up, which was an awesome opportunity, a completely different skill set. It's based on conditional logic so that when a business user would launch a new workflow and they would enter in the details for this workflow, counterparty name, agreement start date, whatever it may be, And certain questions were asked and then certain further questions appeared if certain answers were yes or no. And at the end of that, you had all of the information you need. Ironclad could generate the contract, populate the variables of the contract based on the information that was given in the launch form, and then spit out something to the other end, which is 
fit for purpose and, and ready to go. This has been an incredible tool for employment agreements because, of course, the variables are endless from name to salary to position to country. Everything could be tailored based on one template. So it's a little hard to explain, I think, just over audio. But my goodness, was that awesome for me to be tasked with creating these workflows and getting in and almost getting an understanding of a, of a low-code, no-code tech. You know, you just don't get to do that all the time. I scheduled in whole days of workflow building and I took myself out of the business, basically put my out-of-office on and got down to it because it took a different type of brain power. And it took a lot of energy because I was learning something new at the same time. I highly recommend it. I would just suggest that additional capacity is considered or other arrangements are made to redirect business as usual work away from that resource while they're actually going through this process because it, um, it took a while. So we had around a three-month implementation program. This was largely contributed to by migration of our current contracts over to the new system. Now, this was a subcontractor that uh, Ironclad engaged for us, and they were tasked with migrating 3,000 current existing contracts out of the current register and over into Ironclad so that the new contract register had everything already on file. So 3,000 entries probably doesn't sound like quite a lot, but there certainly was a real piece of, of heavy lifting there. And that timeline dictated when we were launching. We really wanted to go to the business with a final polished product. We didn't do a soft launch. We went with everything in place and all of the existing contracts there ready to go with metadata updated as well, which was fantastic. So once we get to March 1st, 2021, that was launch day. I had spent December, January, February really knuckling down and getting these workflows done. It wasn't all day every day, but it was probably 20% of my week uh, and then increasingly more and more as we got to launch. And then from launch, wow, it was 80, 90% of my day was training the business, getting them to understand what was happening, troubleshooting. Because despite my best efforts, there were things I didn't think of. Some of those approvals that I mentioned earlier that needed to be baked into the workflow, all of it could be done really simply. And I had the power as such. I didn't have to go back to Ironclad and ask them to customize. I could do it all. It just took time. And I knew there would be an iteration process and an evolution process. And I actually think it's, you know, it's still ongoing three weeks in. I think it'll be going for a couple of months to come as I continue to get feedback from the business and just tweak and polish the way that we do things. And that's completely fine. If I take a step back, actually, into February, we started to get the groundswell of communication within the business that this thing was coming, this project mimosa, this ironclad tool was coming, that some change was coming for the way that you would work with the legal team. We had an all-staff town hall meeting that I had a five-minute slot in to really just announce what was happening and get the company familiar with this term, ironclad. 
because that word they had never previously heard before. And we had emails just to start to sprinkle the idea of what was coming. I set up a dedicated Slack channel for hashtag ironclad, any queries or advice or ad hoc, hey Mel, can you help me with this? And that has been a fantastic resource. I highly recommend. It's informal, it's casual, and people feel like they can just get that instant attention on a particular issue. And when I respond, everyone else has the benefit of seeing the answer so that we're all learning together as as we navigate through the new system. So we've had lots of communication. I don't think you can over-communicate. And then we had lots of training. I did all staff training across various time zones just to hit uh, the different parts of the world that our business operates in. And I also took on quite a number of smaller group trainings, bespoke group training for particular groups or particular types of users. And even, um, even if some departments weren't going to be heavy users, we also took it as an opportunity just to show face and to say hello and reintroduce ourselves because we've had lots of new starters and we haven't met everyone yet. So it was a great opportunity just to go out there and and be visible in the business. For for a while there, we haven't had any news to really share with the business. We've just been getting on with it. But this was a big deal for the legal team and something that we've been working on for some time. And we were really proud to talk about and really excited because we felt that it was going to just take us to the next level. And it absolutely has. Already three weeks, three weeks in, the feedback is fantastic. And I'm just constantly assured, reassured that we made the right choice. If I had my time again, some things I would have done differently. I certainly would have conducted more user testing. We did get some of our heavy users in there, in the demo environment, to just play around and to give us some feedback. But I, I think I could have done a lot more of that because I would have, I think I would have just got ahead of some of the potential issues that came to light when we launched. And it, it was things that was easy to fix, but it just felt like I could have probably ironed them out a little easier if I had done a little bit more pre-work with the users. But it's a hard balance because I was still designing the workflows and that was a constant iteration until launch. So it is, it is a bit of a chicken and egg. You can't get feedback until people use it, but people can't use it until you've built it and you've got deadlines and you've also got your business as usual work. So something that I, I think of when I reflect now, but did it make or break the project? No, certainly not. Could I have just maybe saved myself a little bit of stress trying to fix things on the fly once we'd launched? Yes, absolutely. I think something else that I learned was that you just, you cannot over-communicate for this kind of project, this kind of change management. There were some early adopters who got in and just wanted to play around and were really excited to start putting through their matters and creating a workflow. And that was awesome, but it was a small percentage of the business. Most people were prompted to action when we shut off access to the JIRA program. So they could not come to the legal team in JIRA anymore. They had to come to Ironclad. And that prompted a whole flurry of, wait, what? 
what's this thing? Oh, yeah, I'd heard about it, but I didn't really pay attention until I really had to. (laughs) And that's okay. I was there and I was ready. At the very least, if I could could just communicate to the business that the legal team was now using Ironclad, and here is where you go for more information, that was my job done. Then when they were ready to receive the information, I was there with guides, videos. I had recorded all of the training so I could send them a link. And I could also just assure them that it was going to be fine. I was going to walk them through it and just be available for questions. So, you know, everyone is busy. And I think while some are early adopters and are excited, most are just trying to take in so much information on a daily basis and will be really prompted to change once it actually affects them. And that's okay. So we're three weeks in. It's early days, but it's been awesome. I cannot recommend this product enough for the particular problems that we had and our support throughout from our account manager support on the back end has just been phenomenal. They've been with me every step of the way. Our project manager, Jemima, was instrumental in getting this done in the tight time frame that we did and keeping us all on track, pulling together all of the different pieces, the different stakeholders. It was, wow, quite a feat. And just thinking about it now and reflecting, I really am proud of what we've done and the time that we did it in. And I think that if I had my time again, of course, I I know what I know now, but it is a lot of work. And it will affect your day-to-day capacity if you're leading the project from within the operations of it within the legal team. And I probably underestimated how much energy and time it would take from me. And that's okay as well. We live and we learn. It's a lot of work in a short period of time, but it's so worth it. I think that the age-old adage of how do you eat an elephant just one bite at a time, rings true here when implementing a new piece of legal tech. Just take it one bite at a time. Get the help that you can with the resources and the budget available to you and do the best that you can where you are with what you have and rest assured that it will be worth it. We have already found incredible time savings and efficiencies There's no more manual duplication of of data and we're pulling meaningful reports on the back end for the business and they have access directly so they can go in and look at the contracts that the permissions allow them to and use the contracts to their advantage when making business decisions. So that's me on buying and implementing new legal tech Just one person's experience, the highs and the lows, the learnings, the wins. It's been awesome. And I wanted to take this time to share because I wish that I could have listened to a podcast episode about somebody else's raw and honest journey before I had embarked upon mine. And I hope that it is of some use or some value to someone out there who is thinking, right, yeah, it's time for us to get up to speed, get something that's going to help drive efficiencies within the team and the wider business. And I wish you well. Good luck with your journey. I know so many in-house legal teams are doing this at the moment or 
are planning to in the next financial year or maybe even the next calendar year if if your team is is that forward thinking good luck to you and thanks for listening